This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dad, I'd like to read you an account from a tour guide at a specific spot in Australia, because I think it'll open your eyes a little bit. Is that okay? Go for it. It was a very ordinary day weather-wise on Cockatoo Island. I was doing a tour for a group of schoolgirls aged 11 and 12. Normally, I would conclude the tour on the front lawn of Balola House, but on this day, I ushered the students and their teachers into Balola House to escape the weather. The students were sitting on the floor. The girl to my right had her left arm extended out and was leaning on it. Next thing, she withdrew her right hand, startled, and looked suddenly to her left. After the tour, a teacher approached me with the girl in tow and asked her to tell me what had happened. She told me someone had smacked her hand hard, but there had been no one besides her. In September 2018, a group of year three and four students joined me for a tour. During a break in the tour, two teachers approached me and asked, very awkwardly and somewhat embarrassed, if there were ever strange occurrences on the island. The teachers then revealed the story of a school camping trip they'd taken to the island two years earlier. They said two students, both girls, claimed they couldn't sleep because a little girl, aged five or six, kept coming into their tent. The girl was dressed in a white dress and had wanted the students who'd been sharing a tent to come outside. When the teachers asked at the visitor center who else was staying on the island, they were told they were the only ones there that night. Another tour guide, let's call her Vicky, was doing a birthday tour for a group of kids aged 10 and 11. On the lawn of Balola House, a girl told Vicky there was a little girl in a white dress looking at her from the window. And Dad, I didn't believe any of this, so I was digging around on the internet and I found out that the girl was called Mary Carolyn Mann. I just didn't believe any of this, I just thought it was crap. And so I was digging around on the internet and I found this photo taken near Balola House at night. And it's a photo taken by a tourist on one of these tours. And I zoomed in on a window way behind the tour group. And I'm not kidding, there she was. Like, standing in the window, a girl in a white dress, staring right at me. And it was probably about 11pm when I was doing this research. And I'm going to be completely honest, for a moment, I'm not kidding, she moved. You saw her move in the photo? Yeah. Is that fair income, Paul? Yeah, 100%. Mm. Okay. I feel slightly physically sick. So, with that in mind, mm. do you believe in ghosts, Dad? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases. But the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Welcome to episode one of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. We are so excited to be here and frankly, a little spooked out. So obviously, Dad, the basic idea behind this show is interesting to me because you were a cop for many, many years. And for the past five seasons, we've been going through your cases and your time as a police officer and you were in forensics and, you know, everything you've done seems to have been very firmly rooted in facts. And I wrote a couple of books about your time on the police force, but all the cases that really stuck in the readers' and listeners' minds seem to be the ones that were a little bit creepy. Now, your reaction 
to that ghost story up the front of the episode was a little incredulous, but do you have any wiggle room in terms of your belief in this stuff? I genuinely want to believe. Right. I I seriously want to believe. But what I'm hoping, Paul, Mm. is that in this season, you and the guests and the evidence Mm -hmm. can possibly, perhaps will alter my opinion because... Also, in fairness, I'm very open-minded. I've got to be honest with you, Paul. When you came up with this concept for the new season, well, you and Tegan, and put it to me, I was, I was at first kind of thinking, hmm, it just seems a bit lightweight. But then as I've started delving into it, so I'm kind of getting a little bit excited, but I'm also nervous as okay. to what we may sort of encounter. I think it's fair to say that over the past couple of seasons, we have occasionally strayed towards this stuff, most notably towards the end of season five, which was, you know, mere weeks ago. Mm. We talked about the case of The Witch. Mm. And uh, if you want to go back and listen, if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome to this incredible odyssey that Dad and I have been taking listeners down for quite a few years now. But one of the things Dad talked about at the tail end of last season was a case involving, I mean... I asked you point blank on the show whether you thought she was actually a witch. And I think your takeaway, and feel free to correct me here, was that she believed she was. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's possible that she actually was? Not to trivialise it, because it was a very sad case, but do you think she may have been a real witch? Well, something I haven't told you, Paul. Oh. Because I know you love little surprises. Yep. Well, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have been in correspondence with a person that is involved in forensics from your hometown, Paul. And this particular person has been writing to me in the most incredibly detailed and quite frankly, so well researched questions about that particular story, The Witch. And she posed to me a number of very, very good questions. And I really had to take time out to answer. And basically, she said to me, sort of the thrust of her very long email in point form was, how do I actually know she was a witch? And Paul, I ended up telling her a few things. Which you didn't tell me, I assume. That I did not tell you. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I will share that with you and maybe the listeners one day. I shared a few things that were not involved in our story for for various reasons. And also, in, in fairness to this particular person's family. I answered those questions and I had a response back yesterday and this person involved in forensic medicine basically said, ah, I, I now understand. So... Oh, so you turned a, for, you turned a forensic sceptic around. Correct. This story was really upsetting and we are not... We are not trying to capitalize on the sadness of these things, but one of the things that really captured our imaginations was the fact that you hear a scary story, right, Dad? You hear a really messed up story, like The Witch, or you mm. hear a kind of urban myth, or you go to a house or a jail or a historic site, and you get told us, or, you know, for example, you hear about, you know, like Minnie, a girl in a white dress, but you never really hear about the kind of story that got them there, right? Mm, you mm. you never hear about the kind of... You rarely hear about the history behind the place and the explanation for why this person or thing might be there. Now, I'm not coming in as a full-blown believer. I should, I should really point that out. Mm. But I am, I think, because I'm, you know, I'm an, I'm an author, I'm a creative, so I, I think I'm very open-minded and my imagination is very, very hyperactive, whereas Dad's a lot more facts-based. But with the witch case, it was interesting because the only other time that I could think of in your case files that involved haunting, like a traditional haunting, turned out to be bullshit. I mean, Mm. it was... Do you remember the time there was someone kind of whispering through the uh, air conditioning vents Mm. into the cells? Yeah. But look, you know, I want to believe. I really do. Mm. But then I also don't want to believe. Why? Because it'd scare the bejesus out of me. But isn't that that cool? Doesn't that... Yeah, but Paul, being scared is... Like, you know, it's I'm looking out and it's a glorious day here in Sydney. Mm. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. But when the sun goes down, things happen. And let's face it, a lot of very fucked up crime happens when it's dark. Why? Because you can operate within the cover of darkness. But there are so many things in this world that we cannot explain. 
you know, you've got skeptic societies, you've got all these different groups within society, and they're all kind of, you know, clamoring for the, and to prove or disprove theories. I think what we're embarking on is going to be, for me, because once I found out we were doing this season, I've actually kind of had some weird feelings in the last few weeks that I can't quite explain. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy because I I just kind of feel as though we're going to go into something that at the other end, I think we'll, we'll have some perhaps our opinions may have changed or they may have become reinforced. We could flip. You know, I could come out more of a sceptic and you could come out a full-blown believer in this mm. stuff. But, mm. I mean, the idea with this series is to really try and explore the stories behind these stories mm. and try and, you know, try and look at, especially, I mean, Australia is full of these incredible sites with incredible tragic history. And there's going to be some stuff in here where we try and go international. There's going to be, you know, kind of local folklore, but we're really going to try and do a dive into locations that are haunted and trying to figure out why, but also exploring the fact that, look, the link between law enforcement and, you know, the paranormal seems completely detached. I mean, I just, I, can't, I couldn't see the link between those two things. But then, a couple of months back, we got contacted by a woman who we're going to keep anonymous, but she is a police officer who is a member of a group that actually investigates this kind of stuff. They investigate haunted sites and they investigate paranormal events and they're police. So she has, within her career these two things coexisting. She has those two sides that we now have, right? You've got like facts and you've got the unexplainable. And mm. she somehow manages to do those two at once. Mm. So we sat down with her and we asked her to explain how these two things can coexist. Scarlett, could you tell us a bit about this group that you are a part of? So we go around to all different locations and we investigate them. We get invited to some, some places we, we ask to go to and we we capture all different types of evidence and we do try to help people that need help when on the occasion but we try to stay away from the more private cases we let other people um, and other groups do that so but yeah we've been yeah all around America investigating and then here in Australia it's been great what is your background in terms of uh, your profession just for the listeners well I am a police officer so investigation is really my key point and working with people and mental health, funny enough, <laughs> I can um, uh, sort of assess a person to say, you know, I think we need to get them some help medically. I don't think there's actually anything, you know, paranormal actually happening here. And then other times you go, okay, something paranormal is happening here. So I sort of, yeah, do help with the investigation side of things, but I'm more the tech guru now. So the cameras and all the devices that we use, that's my sort of field that I like to have. But as we've gone on through the years, we sort of drop the devices and sort of go, we actually just rely more on our, our bodies and our senses. And we can all walk into a room now and go, nah, nothing's in here. Or we walk into another room and go, you know what, it's, it's going to go off in here. So it, we have definitely grown our own senses over the years to just sort of trust that we know what what's going to happen in a room and... Yeah, it, it's quite good because our energy as a group is phenomenal. We can get some amazing, amazing results. I'm just curious as to what story it was that Dad told that made you want to reach out to us and kind of share this info with us because it feels like you've kind of trusted us enough to reveal this stuff. So what was it about Loose Units and what anecdote was it that made you think, yeah, I should tell him this story? Well, it was, I think, the Bali. I think when you were talking about Christine in Bali. <sighs> That was the mm. first thing. And then when I read the book, The Cells at North Sydney, mm. I was like, oh, that's fascinating. That's, yeah, so that's what gave me the idea that I can actually reach out and I won't be like poo-pooed. <laughs> Never. You know, the, the past in Sydney, you know, the colonial past mm. is just so... It's I mean, some of these islands um, that we have in Sydney Harbour. Well, funny you mentioned that because... Cockatoo Island was the island that we investigated for months on end. We actually got invited to that island. Right. So what what is it about Cockatoo Island that kind of drew you guys there? And could you talk us through some of the things that you, I guess, saw there or felt there? And when you, oh, first of all, when you go to a site like Cockatoo Island, is the first thing you do as a police officer, 
looking into the crime that may have caused the sighting or do you kind of work your way backwards? No, it's definitely for me in the land. A lot of the land holds a lot of energy and there's been such a horrible history of what's happened here in Australia that mm. that energy just is in, in the land. So rather than you know a place being haunted, I say it's coming from the land sometimes. So Cockatoo Island, there's so many layers of history there and of tragedies and torment and just horrible stuff altogether there. You know, and we don't even know what that island was prior to, you know, being settled on. You know, there's heaps of history that's now been lost, unfortunately, that we won't know about that island. Yeah, so we, we did quite, we would actually camp there over the weekends which is really cool, except when it was stormy and rainy, that really sucked. We actually had access to a lot of the buildings. They trusted us with that. And we went to one of the cottages up the top of the island, and it was the naval officer's cottage. And in that cottage, we would have bursts of lights. Now, that cottage at that stage didn't have any electricity in it, so it wasn't like you could say there was an electrical fault. And uh, one night, one of the first weekends I was there, we were trying to figure out why these bursts of lights were happening. And I was sitting in the living room with my back to the wall and looking out through French doors onto a balcony that looked across to the mainland. And as I was sitting there, a car came down the hill on the mainland, we're in the dark, and I got some car lights hit my face. And I was like, Oh, well, this is really simple to explain. It's just literally the car lights from across in the other suburb coming through the trees and lighting up my vision. And as soon as I said that, this ball of light went off in the room. Like, we couldn't explain it. We've got footage of it. Um, and funny enough, no shadows were cast from this light. So it literally filled up the whole room. And so... I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I believe you now, I believe that you're here and you're setting these lights off. It was a bit of like a, hey, you know, I'll show you, I'm actually letting these lights off. So we were just in awe that that happened and we were all like very sorry for um, being so rude and not thinking it was you. So essentially we found out it was a naval officer that would come through and he was quite upset that we were in his house and he couldn't quite understand why we were being so disrespectful in his house. So, But we got to learn about him and we called him Sir just because he was a naval officer. Before I joined the group, they had captured some really good footage of a full-body apparition in the house and they did, they analysed it and they discovered that it was probably a kid with the they measured the door frame to the kid and um, they figured that was a kid. And so they set this camera up in, in one of the back rooms for about several hours. Now to get to that back room, you would have to walk all the way through the house and you could imagine an old house that hasn't been renovated, the floorboards all creaky and outside is all pebbles. So there was no creaking, there was no walking on the pebbles and then just this white apparition steps out from the door frame, looks at the camera and then steps back in. It's just absolutely amazing. Wow. How many people um, were there that night? That night? I don't know that night because I wasn't part of the group and that was captured. I think right. there was still the smaller group, maybe maybe four or five people. Mm. So And then they got it locked up so you couldn't get back into the place. They couldn't without the security guard. So, so is, it, is it difficult for you and the group to sort of I mean, how do you just initially go about explaining to people what you want to do and, you know, what are the reactions that you get from the various, you know, organisations that when you explain what you do, I mean, you must be met with lots and lots of different sort of reactions. Yeah, some are really good and positive and they're really supportive of what we do and what we're trying to do for their property and their business. And that's some government organisations and then other government organisations are still very, you know, back 30, 40 years and, you know, paranormal doesn't exist and that's just crazy talk. Um, so you do get, you know, both sides of the coin. One thing that Paul and I have often thought about because, you know, I started at North Sydney Police Station, which is 
historic building mm. and it's genuinely full of just the most extraordinary stories mm. back into it, well into the 19th century and that station that physical station that I often drive past and occasionally pull up and I actually have this sort of a I mean every probably four or five weeks um, I pull up in my ute on the Pacific Highway and I walk up to the building and I stand outside the front door mm. and it's as though that building wants me to go inside now it's it's been locked up for so many years mm. I think that that would be a wonderful place sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. But Dan, I'm just curious as to why, I mean, first of all, why would that building be haunted? And this is a question for you, Scarlett. What makes a building or a site susceptible to this stuff? Because I'll be honest, it feels like sometimes I enter an old building and my brain starts sort of inferring all these things, mm. like, you know, the weight of history, right? Mm. And I start imagining all the terrible things that could have happened there. And sometimes... Sometimes I've walked into terrible places and not gotten that read at all. Like, uh, Tegan and I did a show in the old Melbourne jail. Mm. And I'll be honest, I got nothing off the place. I was, I felt really happy and calm there. And it was mm -hmm. only later that I found out that actually several performers in the show had seen things and one of them had something follow her home. So, mm. uh, you know, I'm curious as to, like, if I rocked up at the North Sydney Police Station and you were there and Dad was there uh, and you guys are picking something up and I wasn't, what would that say about me as a person? Well, um, I'll start explaining that you can have what's called residue haunting. So it's just, it's like a film that's been caught in in the building, in, in the materials itself, and it mm. just plays over like a, like a scene in a movie. So that's where you can get those type of hauntings from. And then there's other hauntings, which is a sort of new theory of, you know, you've got the string line theory of dimensions. Well, the theory is now that they're not straight, that they're actually, they undulate and they have peaks and troughs. And at times those peaks and troughs will cross over. And so what's happening in one dimension is happening in our dimension. And we just happen to be there at the right time, at the exact time to see it. Right, so there's something happening in that exact spot. Yeah. Somewhere else, okay. Yeah, so like, you know, you walk into old Nan's house and Nan's passed away, but you see Nan sitting in a chair and you freak out. But Nan, right. in another dimension where she's alive, sees two males walk into the room, she freaks out. The dimension's crossing over, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. How do you, how do you contend with the fact that, I mean, look, law enforcement is ostensibly... It's about the facts, right? It's about kind of A plus B equals C. It is about, um, you know, finding practical solutions to real world problems. How do you marry your belief in this stuff and your, you know, um, job as a cop? Like, how, how do those two things interact and do they ever contradict each other? Oh, yeah, they, they do all the time. So mm. I do have to put one, one point part aside and the other part of me that believes in this to the side. Um, but in saying that, we actually call it our fighty senses at work. And it does come in handy when you're going to like a house. And I can just walk to the front of the house and go, you know what, somebody's definitely inside. Or I can walk to the front of the house and go, you know what, nobody's inside. So, and it, you do need to work on facts and figures. And sometimes you just get a gut instinct for what is being said to you. It's the truth. And other times you just go, no, that's not the truth. And you just sometimes have to go with your gut. And it, you know, it does work out sometimes because then you go, I'm going to start digging this way instead of that way. And it comes up with what's actually happened. So sometimes you do need to take it into consideration, just go, you know what, this gut feels telling me to go down this path and it works out well. And other times you just go, I've just got to stick to the facts here and what I can see. But yeah, definitely it does cross paths at the same time it doesn't if that makes sense i think um look i think the essence of good policing a lot of it is with the gut yes yes i'd have to agree intuition and how do you how do you explain intuition if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I mean, how do you, these things are not, they're, they're not of this, almost not of this world. They're kind of, they're there um, and you, and some people just will go through life and never ever be aware of those senses. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of stuff happening in the world that we are just unaware of. But how do you use that? In, like, how do you use that in court? I mean, I had a feeling isn't admissible in court. Right? No, well, everyone, no. But everyone in court knows that they, they all know. Look, it's like um, the defense counsel will say to you in the witness box, um, how do you, why, why did you arrest my client? And everyone in the court knows the answer is because he's a fucking scumbag. But you don't say that, no. but everyone knows it. And the, the defense counsel knows it. The, the, the shitbag knows it. We all know it, but everyone goes, "Oh well, you know." And then you start going on with the the essence of yeah. Good. But Dad, the, no, no, the shitbag is not making things levitate across the room and walls bleed, right? Um, I mean, that's. <laughs> I have a question for you, Scarlett, because a lot of people are going to be listening to this season, going, "What the hell are they doing talking about ghosts?" This is a crime podcast. It's a true crime <laughs> podcast, and and our argument, because Dad's a bit of a skeptic, I'm a bit more of a believer at this point. I'm hoping to turn dad around. What would you say to dad and those other people who are kind of on the fence and a little bit skeptical about the links between crime and, you know, the unexplainable? Yeah, your gut instinct just comes into it. So you really got to run with that and then you've got to back it up with facts. But then sometimes there's just cases that there's just nothing, there's absolutely no evidence and you just, you just need that bit of help. And I know in the past that police forces have use psychic mediums to help with solving cases or even just giving getting bits of evidence to help them try and get facts you know look in this area you know look for this try this and and they have used them before and it's worked out for them i know back when i started i think a very long time ago now they they use a psychic medium even though this psychic medium didn't help them get to the the final part of the case that they were after actually found the torso of another woman from another murder. Oh. So then, because she was a missing person, they didn't know she was murdered. When they found the torso, obviously that opened that case up to a murder case. So they do use them. It's not so much that they sit in court and go, we use this psychic medium and it gave us this evidence and therefore we followed that path. It's just more right. to assist them with, yeah, just going, where do we need to look? And they don't always do it. I'm sure if they do do it, they're not going to publicise it because here in Australia, it's still a taboo subject with our government for some reason. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's um, yeah, we're we're very behind 
compared mm. to other police forces in the world when it comes to stuff like that. There was a very famous case on the south coast of um, New South Wales involving a horrendous murder and one of the most senior New South Wales police officers who went almost to the very top of the tree rank-wise, he, to this very day, says that he used um, some contacts within that psychic world. He, to this day, swears that the case would not have been successfully concluded without their assistance. Now, mm. the police force, mm. the official line mm. in the New South Wales police force is definitely one of, uh, we don't, we don't approve, we don't, we don't, they just, they just don't accept it. But it's a fact that police officers, good police, will use every single thing available to, uh, to, to assist, whilst it might not be sort of part of the above board, you know, sort of legal, constitutional in the rule book. Make no mistake, when good police, particularly cold case crime, I mean, can you imagine the families of someone that had been missing for 30 years being told, you know, look, I'm sorry, we, we, we have these people, they can assist, but we're not allowed to use them. I mean, that's that's just, and I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's very important um, to pursue these these lines of inquiry. And as time progresses, you know, things may well change. That's right. Uh, and I'm, ho I'm hoping so, but at the same time, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> right. Would you, would you uh, have, what would you say to listeners who are on the fence and who don't believe in this stuff? What would you say to them to kind of turn them? What's what's something you've se you've seen or heard that is just objectively irrefutable? Uh, or is that kind of, the tr is that the tricky part? I, I don't do that. I don't try to do that. That's their belief. Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to try and convince anybody Elsewise, you know, I do believe a lot of people who are skeptics come out and say, you know, and I've had it myself where people pull the piss out of me for doing what I do, and they're like, "Ooh, you believe in ghosts?" And then when nobody's around, they'll come to me and be like, "Actually, you know what? I had this happen to me, and I can't explain it." And blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So I do believe a lot of people that go, "I don't believe in this." I've actually had experiences, but I'm too embarrassed to say anything. But yeah, I don't, like, I've got evidence I can show people and it doesn't matter. I could give them every explanation, scientific reason as to why it is the way it is and why it can't be what you think it is. And you still won't convince them otherwise. So that's just, I don't do that in my, in my paranormal world. I just go, that's your belief. This is what I have. If you don't believe it. Not my problem. Uh, well, look, in closing, is there anywhere that you think we should focus on geographically? Are there any specific sites that you think have really interesting history and stories behind them, like crime-related stories that have led to specific hauntings? Oh, definitely Cockatoo Island. Definitely, because it, it was a prison and you had a superintendent on that island that ruled with an iron fist. The layers there in regards to criminal activity and what happened um, and how it spread out to the rest of Australia is, is quite amazing. And I know that's old history, but you can't sort of touch on recent crimes. I think it's a bit too insensitive, if that makes sense. And another place is actually Port Arthur. Another place is riddled with horrendous crimes done by, you know, police and correctives at that place. Um, it's just horrendous. And, yeah, I've been there with my partner and we've investigated there. And it was just, yeah, really eerie, real, even during the day, it was just very eerie. Yeah, we're hoping to get on site in person at some point. But what we wanted to do chatting with you was just to go, hey, it is possible for, you know, police work and, you know, paranormal investigation to coexist. Yeah. And here is someone who does both. Yeah. And, uh, Dad, are you kind of more inclined to go down this? Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm so excited to, to listen to someone who, for me, the fact that you're in the police force, in my opinion, gives you great credence. And I think it's exciting. And you're right, you know, a lot of people say one thing or think one thing, say another. People are, people do question their own sort of their sanity, I guess, when they, if you see something or you feel something. I mean, how many people have just been walking and all of a sudden had the most, and it can be during the day. And, and you get the most overwhelming sensation. You're just covered in goosebumps. It's it's just 
bizarre. Yeah. It's unexplainable. And you, you turn around almost positive that someone's there. Mm. There's no one there. So we're thrilled to, um, really, really excited to have had you on. Well, look, th- thanks so much, Scarlett. And uh, yeah, if you see anything particularly weird, do reach out. Yeah, we'll do. Well, now that was eye-opening. What did you think of that? I'm intrigued. Are you going to go to Cockatoo Island? Well, funnily enough, this particular person has just been in touch and I'm scheduled to go to Cockatoo Island. Now, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm kind of mixed feelings. I actually went to Cockatoo Island once, Paul, to investigate a terrible fatality. And I'm going to arrive on this island by boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pull up at the scene of this dreadful fatality that I was involved in when I was with WorkCover. I had to investigate a fatality. So I'm going to want to talk about this, but in sort of some interesting ways to the, the, the group, the paranormal group. They are then going to uh, take me onto the island and, and just, well, it's it will be revealed what I see and experience, no doubt, in a later episode. What time will you be getting there, do you know? That I'm not sure about. Okay. Uh, but I, quite frankly, don't care on this particular occasion. In fact, a part of me would almost be really happy if the sun was actually shining. <laughs> For, for for my for my baby steps, right? So you, you surely, um, no, come on, Dad. You've seen dead bodies. You've you've yes. seen some you've seen yeah. some serious shit. How does this scare you? Because there's already a sense of. I mean, it's a very very depressing and barbaric location. Yeah, terrible things happen there. Mm. That's a fact. And it seems to be the thread seems to be, even though it's early days, that it's generally terrible trauma that seems to do something and and don't forget paul and listeners the most important aspect of perhaps our entire being the thing that can control our our lives and if you become completely sort of swept up in the moment and then something terrible happens to sort of amplify and confirm your worst fears well one wonders how and i think to myself god what happens if i actually do see something and i go I mean, I just, I don't know how I'm going to react. If you see something, because I know you are a little bit of a skeptic, what will it take for you to kind of just immediately flip? First of all, it would be really confusing for us as a listener base, right? To go, all right, we started this show to try and turn dad. He went on one trip, saw something vaguely spooky, and now he is completely turned and he's just a full-blown ghost hunter now. Or do you think it's going to take something a little more substantial for you to turn? I think it's going to be a... uh on the balance of probabilities, I think it'll be a sort of a, a gradual evolving sort yeah. of process over over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know the answer to that question. Okay. Because, I mean, I told you the story up front all about Minnie. Do you think you're going to see a girl in a white dress? What are you hoping to see? And what do you hope you don't see when you're there? I'd hate to... <laughs> I'd hate to see something that I couldn't explain. Right. I'd, I'd really hate to see... Imagine, like, I, I just... I, look, I do have a fertile imagination... Uh, as you and the listeners know. Mm. But I'm, I mean, I do a walk every week in another creepy place in Sydney that's an ex-lunatic asylum, and it's fucking creepy. And and I go there with a good friend, and it's daytime when we do this walk. And I often, again, because of what we're doing, Paul, what, what where we're going on this adventure, in the last few weeks, I've actually stopped on our walk and looked up into the barred windows of this asylum from the mid 19th century and I almost expect to see someone looking down from these windows during the day Mm. so if that's affecting me at that level now during the day on a walk I think I'm in for a pretty trippy time yeah and I I hope I can sort of keep my composure can I tell you something I and this might be me trying to play armchair psychologist but the fact that to me the, the fact that you walk past this place during the daytime and you you half expect, as you said, to see something implies to me that you kind of want to. Look, horror is something... Horror is very... There are some people that just can't handle it. I mean, I if I'm watching something horrific by myself at midday on TV, bearing in mind that I, I'm not sort of a midday TV type person, but occasionally, like that American horror story, I started watching it about a year ago. During the day, I got so scared, the first thing I would do is just avert my gaze and look away. Now, that's just television, and that can totally freak me out. And you know, Paul, I've had... I mean, I'm... Shit, I'm 61, and 
and I, I'm sort of, I'll admit it, I sometimes get these, I have terrible nightmares occasionally, and sometimes I literally can't get out of bed to go to the toilet. I mean, my foot was hanging over the bed a few weeks ago, and I literally had this feeling that someone was under the bed and would grab my foot and drag me to hell. I'm not kidding. You're a scaredy cat. Yeah. I don't think I'd be putting it so in such a trite way. Yeah, of course. But, you know, like, isn't that the weird thing? Like, nighttime is different to daytime. Yeah, of course. There's a different energy, right? Different energy. Yeah. And although occasionally, not often, but, but I, we were, I was by myself a few months ago. I think I mentioned it to you. And I was coming into our, into our block of you know, apartments here and I just had the most... I, I was overcome with sheer... I just had this feeling that there was a presence behind me mm. and it covered my body in goosebumps. It was 10 in the morning, for God's sake, on a magnificent day. No clouds, no wind, everything's just sweet. And then all of a sudden, I just had this the most shocking sensation as I walked towards the front door of this building. And I, I literally, A, I was covered in goosebumps for no apparent reason. And secondly, I then, I had to turn around and see what was behind me. Mm. And there was no one there. Now, how do you explain that? Can I tell you something? I strongly suspect that you are closer to tipping over into belief in this stuff than I had actually thought, which is frankly way more interesting. I'm not first of all, I'm not gonna have to work as hard. But secondly, I feel like it's gonna mean that when you go somewhere or when we do a live show on site in some haunted place, or when we have an expert on and they're trying to, you know, kind of convince us of something, you you're what I'm trying to say is that your time in the police force has maybe made you more open-minded than I thought, which is really useful. But what we're going to try and do over the coming weeks and over the coming season is to really dive into some locations that are, for lack of a better term, haunted as hell. So we're going to be looking at places like the Old Melbourne Jail. We're going to try and talk to a priest who has performed an exorcism. That's kind of like a wish list thing. I mean, I'm really hoping that we can get in touch with a priest who... Well, we do have his name, which I think is extraordinary. Just getting... Oh. And I've got his mobile number, and I think just achieving that's remarkable, Paul, but we don't want to blow it with him. Yeah, and obviously... Because if you call up and you come in too hard... I mean, it's like dating, really, except... In no way is it like dating. We're also going to try and look at a couple of places around Australia which are kind of lesser known for their hauntings, including... Dad, you had somewhere that you wanted to do for episode two. Mm. I kind of um, got a bit carried away, Paul. Right. There's a location. It's ostensibly the most haunted road in Australia. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds on the surface a bit, yeah, whatever. But I've been doing a lot of research and it is so seriously fucked up, this stretch of road. It's so bad and it's all about trauma. Oh, God. I, I don't know what, what... I must have had a brain snap. I must have had a rush of something or other because I came up with a bit of a brain wave. And it was a, it was a sunny day. I, I excitedly called you yeah. and said, Paul, I've had a brain wave. What about at midnight, I drive out there in the ute and, well, I'll have to sort of tether my phone to the computer and have the microphone and you can be in Melbourne feeling all comfortable in your nice apartment. And we'll be doing a show down the line with you parked on the side of this mm. stretch of extremely haunted road. Can you tell the listeners what this road is? Uh, yeah, it's called the Wakehurst Parkway. Okay. Um, but I've been doing a lot of research. And the thread about ghosts and all that sort of supernatural stuff seems to be mainly sort of attached to trauma. I'm actually going to go to the location of, of something really bad that I haven't told you. We have discussed a certain thing that happened when I was in the fire brigade, you recall, on that road. Uh, so I'm going to go to, to very close to that location because that's really interesting in that that is probably the most horrific traumatic thing. And then I've got some incredible first-hand um, accounts by very, very sane, rational people. And I've, I've dug up a story from someone and I've really gone deep into this guy's story. I guess my concern with these places is that it's entirely possible that you're going to rock up and you're going to be towing in all this emotional baggage and all this psychic baggage from things that you know for a fact have happened there. But I think what's useful is the fact that I'm going to be on the line with you and we're going to talk about this stretch of road and we're going to talk through some of the things that happened there and we're going to try and really... There is something so great 
about getting you there and we'll be able to hear how freaked out you are because mm. as we've learned in this episode, Dad, this is new information for me and mm. I think it's new information for listeners to Loose Units who've been with us from the beginning and it's probably very confusing for new listeners who are rocking up going, hardened ex-cop, scared of the dark. I mean, that's a really great... Every superhero's got to have their weakness, mm. right? I've got a mate a few days ago. He said to me laughingly, yeah. he said, uh, John, he said, I take it you're going to get out of Newton, you know, walk around and... And I just looked at him and said, are you insane? Oh, you're not going to get out. Are you joking? Why wouldn't you get out? Well, that's ridiculous. Get a mass spectrometer or something. Read oh, some- I'm not getting out of my ute. <laughs> why not? Well, why should I? Because it's spookier, Dad. No, it's scary enough being... Um, what I envisaged happening <laughs> was that I'm just in the middle of sh- nowhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, there's a... Anyway. No, no. See. Dad, if, if you... if. <laughs> The power on the laptop goes out. You're parked on the Wakehurst Parkway. It's 1 a.m. We've just finished recording. All the power goes out and you whack the laptop and the light comes on and you look in the rearview mirror and there's someone in the back of the car with you. And then that image gets transferred down the laptop. It's the last photo I ever see of you. The car and you are never seen again. I feel... To your barrel of laughs, Paul. I mean, I just... The thing about ghost stories, Dad, and this is something everyone can openly acknowledge... We want to be scared because we live in a, in, a, in a world where I think everyone wants to believe that there is something else out there, right? Whether it's good or evil or benevolent or whatever or elemental or indifferent or cruel or kind. And the idea that there is something, anything out there, which doesn't obey the rules that we seem to need to make sense of the world. The idea that something is would be so capricious as to reach into your life and just snuff it out and I would get a creepy photo or a weird text message or something. I think it's it's electric. And I think even telling that little hypothetical about you disappearing and that photo being sent to me and the person in the back, like that, that shit is creepy. And also part of me and part of you, there's no, you suggested driving to this stretch of the Wakehurst Parkway at midnight and calling me up. You suggested it. And I think you suggested it because part of you, deep down, is hoping that something fucking scary happens. You're no, not, I don't want something scary to happen. But, but you, you, oh, okay, so in that case, you're going there to prove that there is nothing haunting no, no, about no, the place. No, n- no, neither. I'm, I think it's important that, that I be there to tell the story. Okay. It's such a, it's it's going to be visceral. Yeah. Um. You know, and I have thought about pulling out of the whole thing and just not doing it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> because I just really think, I just think it's it was a bit, you know, it was a dumb uh, idea, and now we have to do it. Is what that's you're saying. Right. Yeah. Because in the spirit of doing this, we are going to try and really tie these stories to different locations, right? Mm. So I think there's part of me wants us to somehow finagle our way back into the old North Sydney police station where you actually used to work. Because Mm. a lot of these places have really bad energy. Sometimes you walk into a room or a house and you go, no, no, this isn't right. Something's wrong. Something happened here. Now, Mm. the Wakehurst Parkway has just had a, a litany of tragedies and mysteries happen up and down the stretch of road. And mm. it's a long way from anything and it's going to be midnight and I'm going to get a call from you and you're going to be in the back of the car. And let me tell you something else. You're going to be lit up because of the laptop, which means mm. that anyone driving past is going to see you. Mm. Now, Paul, there's no back of a ute. You with me? Well, sure. If, but I, can- if I look in the rear vision mirror in my ute and see a demonic presence crawling over the tarpaulin towards that back bit of glass i'm taking off i'm gone (laughs) mate fuck the podcast i'm serious if i if something bad goes down i'm I'm out of there okay and things happen Uh, i I mean just fyi for the listeners i'm actually going to be parked pretty close to where the torso the crossbow murder shot his victim oh fuck i'm gonna be there okay dad this is great that's a really bad place this is so great this has gone from me worrying that you weren't going to be on board to you revealing that you're a scaredy cat to you volunteering to be on the most haunted stretch of road in australia if that's not a good setup for this season i don't know what is paul paul listen if i could get the head of the homicide squad yeah or any you know person in the world I think no matter who you are, if you could transport that person into the middle of... I mean, can I just say this to you on the outset? I'll tell you one place in Australia I would never go by myself and do this. Do you want to know where that is? Where? I would never go to Balangalo State Forest. Oh. Ever. Ever. I would not go there by myself in my ute and do a podcast. And I defy... I mean, it's all very well people talking about going and doing these things, but I'm by myself, okay? Sweet Christine said to me, oh, would you like me to come with you? I said, 
you're very sweet, but no, because then I wouldn't be shit scared. Mm-hmm. So I'm going by myself. Yep. So I don't care how macho you are, how brave, how whatever. If you get anyone by themselves to do what I'm going to do that night, I think that's pretty cool and stupid. It's it's the height of... Because you used to skydive, you used to scuba dive. You were a big risk These taker. things don't rate. No. Because my mind's going to take over this and is, probably implode. There's going to be an existential horror about this and we really can't wait. And... That's going to be episode two of this show. This season is going to be bananas. If you are new to Loose Units, welcome. If you have been listening for many seasons, prepare for something completely different. So we're going to be back at midnight every Monday with a brand new episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Make sure you stick around every week also for our bonus spin-off podcast. Every Friday, we release a spin-off called Loose Ends, which began as a way of coping with lockdown, which has just sort of become like a weird talk show. We'll be doing lots of great stuff like responding to your emails and messages, talking about stuff that we couldn't talk about on the main show, and generally just helping each other get through this weird old thing called life. So thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm Paul, that's John, and next time we see you... Dad'll be parked on a haunted stretch of road and hopefully not getting murdered. Bye, everyone. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.